It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters— with new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Live Bet Saturday on VSIN, the sports betting network. Good morning, folks, and welcome in. It is Live Bet Saturday. I'm Jonathan Von Tobel, Pamela Maldonado here as well, and we have four hours of pure, unadulterated sports betting action for you. We've got a lot going on in the morning window. I'll be uh, keeping my eye on some hoops here in the morning, including Baylor and Texas. Texas, of course, a two-and-a-half-point favorite this morning over the Baylor Bears. Total is about 144-and-a-half. All those poor Longhorns, Rodney Terry getting mad because they were doing the horns down the other day. It is disrespectful. It is not. Who cares? <laughs> Look, at it. it's it's okay. It's nothing. How dare you? Uh, Rodney Terry about to beat the crap out of some college kids because they were doing the horns down. It was hilarious. And how is Texas going to bounce back from the big old meanies the other day? Uh, Baylor <laughs> is a pretty good team, I believe, and uh, is a team that I think can actually uh, beat the crap out of Texas today. So I'm very interested to see what's going to happen, especially because if you, you just kind of lick your finger and test the wind and talk about some teams that are probably going to underperform as the season goes along. Texas will probably be at the top of the list considering they're now one and three in conference play, but we will uh, keep our eye on that. We want to focus a ton on it and we will see if Baylor who went on the road last time out to Kansas state and lost 68 to 64 can bounce back in a second consecutive home game. But we are not here for college basketball. We are not here for the National Basketball Association. Sorry, Pam, we're not here for tennis. We are here <laughs> because it is divisional round weekend. And coming up in a few short hours, we will have the first of two games later today, and we start in the AFC because the Houston Texans will take on the Baltimore Ravens. Ravens, of course, one of two number one seeds that are in action later today, well-rested and ready to go. And Pam, for the most part, every single one of these lines has been pretty static throughout the week. The biggest okay. move that we have seen is actually in this game, but is on the total, not on the line right. uh, we saw this drop from about 45 and a half 46 in some spots down to the 43 and a half we're at right now the spread nine and a half has been sitting there pretty much all week long couple of flashes out to nine whatever it is for injury news here Mark Andrews will not play. There was hope that he would return. Not the case. Marlon Humphrey will not play. That's about it for the Baltimore Ravens. And for the Houston Texans, pretty much everybody's going to play except for former Indianapolis Colt and trader Jerry Hughes, the defensive end for the Houston Texans. So as we stand right now, the Houston Texans catching nine and a half, total 43 and a half, riding high after upsetting the Cleveland Browns at home. <laughs> what is Pamela Maldonado like in Houston, Baltimore? I'm going to be honest. There's not a lot that I loved for this weekend. Um, you usually have something that I'm like super strong about, and I don't really have that confidence entering this weekend. I would lean to the over on 43 and a half as my best option. I just have a lot of belief that CJ Stroud, the Houston offense, can do enough to produce some points. Baltimore has been a place that opposing quarterbacks have had success. Houston will have to air it out just because of how strong the defense for Baltimore is. And running back Devin Singletary, I think that he can create enough on the ground to have a balance in the offense to where CJ Stroud let him do his thing. We have seen him. I think I'm done underestimating him and his abilities. And even though this is on the road, he's poised. 
He doesn't crack under pressure. He just looks every bit as much of a veteran considering that he is still in his rookie season. Baltimore defense has been very polarizing. We've seen two versions of it. The one that picked four interceptions off San Francisco's Brock Purdy or the one that gave up all of the yardage and all of the passing scores to the Rams, similar style offense than that of what Houston can produce. I would lean to the early on over 43 and a half. Oh, there's a little bit of wind. I don't really see enough that says, hey, this is going to like deteriorate. Um, deter players, the quarterbacks from wanting to pass. I think the, the move on the total is more, I don't think it's about the, the, the weather per se, right. Or holding down the game itself. I, I think it's more about the Ravens are nine and a half point favorites and a route to a Ravens victory and a cover, right. Cause okay. they are favored by those nine and a half, 10, you know, winning by 10 or more uh, would be that you're putting the clamps down on Houston, right. You know, first first road game here for the rookie. Uh, and to your point, somebody asked me, I think it was uh, Tim, uh, Tim yesterday on Vison primetime. We brought up the weather. Look, uh, CJ Stroud's from California. He played Ohio state. Like he's yeah. played in inclement conditions. That, that's not going to be a problem for him. I right. think it's more about facing a defense that is very, very sound and you know it's a lot of people that are smarter than me that watch film have brought this comparison up and i think it's a very good one a team like cleveland right is a lot of you know i'm always going to bring it back to basketball uh, i'll liken it to marcus smart right marcus smart is a defensive player for those who don't watch him is very aggressive and hunting for steals right deflections things like that and so at times you get big splashy plays you get forced turnovers you can go the other way but when you're caught out of position and you get a little too aggressive defensively, what happens when you give a big place? You give up a lot of points on the road, right? right? Which is what Cleveland did. Baltimore, on the other hand, is very, very sound in what they do. They have very strong linebackers. They don't really get super aggressive. They just play their scheme, their coverages, and they let essentially the game come to them. And I think that's why they have been so, so fundamentally sound throughout this entire season. And I think one of the most underrated aspects about this matchup for Baltimore, and this is not something I, I bet, you know, I think nine and a half is the play if you're asking me right now. And it would be, I think this is really sneaky underrated. You tell me if I'm crazy. They play the San Francisco 49ers, right? They, we know what happens. We beat the, they beat the crap out of them 33 to 19. Right. We see them host the Miami Dolphins. They beat the crap out of them 56 to 19. They take the week off against the Pittsburgh Steelers, rest their guys because they're into the postseason, and now they get the Houston Texans. The common thread amongst the three opponents that we're talking about here, San Francisco, Miami, and Houston, all offenses from the Shanahan tree. Okay. They beat Kyle Shanahan himself. They beat Mike McDaniel, former Mike, uh, excuse me, Kyle Shanahan assistant. Now they're taking on Bobby Slowick in the Houston Texans. Bobby Slowick was the passing game coordinator for the San Francisco 49ers last year. And so I'm really curious, Pam, is this is essentially your third crack at a right. offense that has the same fundamental principles. I think Baltimore is going to be really prepped and ready to go here for an offense that they've seen now. I'll call it three consecutive games because they didn't really prep and get ready or care about the the last game against Pittsburgh. I will agree with that. And I actually have a note on the same on something similar. And it's because CJ Stroud is going to be the best of the quarterbacks that you mentioned of the uh, offenses that Baltimore faced. CJ Stroud is still going to be the best quarterback to come out of that West Coast style of offense. Bobby Slowick, he is familiar with it now being in Houston. I think they can have success, at least in terms of being able to put up points, being shut out. Now, on the flip side of that, I really like Baltimore's offense to produce because you are going up against a Houston secondary that gives up yardage and scores to almost every opposing quarterback. This is going to be the best offense that you have faced. That's my worry. And I would lean towards Ravens getting the cover at minus nine and a half, because if you look at Houston's strength of schedule, you played the number one easiest schedule of opposing offenses. Yep. Now you're going up against MVP Lamar Jackson, Zay Flowers. That connection's real. I mean, it's just a huge difference from what we could see and what we're seeing. Everything you mentioned, Baltimore is putting up points against these opponents. So I would expect similar to happen. And it could be CJ Stroud does find the end zone a couple of times, but then uh, Lamar Jackson just runs away with it in the end. Yep. Now, we'll have more of these, of course, throughout. We're with you for four hours. Uh, next up, and by the way, Pam mentioned it too, uh, the weather, temperature in the upper 20s, 50 mile an hour winds, like it's not going to be anything crazy. Um, nothing that would deter you in terms of scoring, right? That would be something impactful on the total. San Francisco 49ers taking on the Green Bay Packers. Caesar, I messed up. I should have I sent this to you. Did you see what Adam Ranked tweet, uh, tweeted out the other day? So Adam Rank works for the NFL Network and the NFL Network personalities all selected, you know, as you do, right? of your media personality on a network. Uh, they selected the scores, what the outcome for Green Bay and San Francisco. They pulled 10, 10 NFL network personalities. Nine 
selected the Green Bay Packers to win outright today oh, wow. over the San Francisco 49ers. This is, I think, hilarious. Rank turned on his people. Actually, the NFL Network tweeted out the picture and said, all right, the bandwagon has gotten out of hand. Uh, I completely agree. This is the only strong opinion that I have today. I think Caesars 49ers go in there and mop up the Green Bay Packers, specifically on defense. And this is the thing that I keep getting stuck and kind of almost getting angry about to a certain extent, Pam, which is we know the last two games of the regular season, Minnesota, Chicago for Green Bay. Okay, congratulations. Those are two below average offenses. Even with the improvement of Justin Fields, the improvement still was a below average offense and a below average quarterback. Yes, he got better. You could still be below average. Then you get this Dallas Cowboys game where everybody just wants to draw a line through the entire thing here for the Green Bay Packers in terms of, oh, yeah, it was 510 total yards, but uh, garbage time. Garbage time doesn't start at halftime, folks. And the Dallas Cowboys (laughs) came out immediately in the first two drives of the second half and went right downfield, double-digit play drives, and scored on them. I think that we are – we do this thing all the time, and I'll have a stat about this when we get to the trends. We do this all the time where we see the wild card weekend, right? And we get excited because these teams are like, hey, we just watched them. They won playoff games. Jordan Love looked great. CJ Stroud looked great. (laughs) And we forget that there's a reason why these teams are waiting for them at home in the next week because they're good. And I have a statistically below average Green Bay Packers defense that four weeks ago, everybody in Green Bay wanted to run him out of the city. And now we're going on the road and nine out of 10 NFL network personalities are picking the Green Bay Packers to win this thing outright. (laughs) I think we forget how good, how well coached, how Mm -hmm. well schemed, the fact that they've got time to get ready for them. I think San Francisco is not going to be stopped in any way, shape or form offensively today. Which is why I like the over on 50. To me, this would be my stronger lean on the day. And for a lot of the reasons that you mentioned, how good of an offense the 49ers have. It is so balanced. You have multiple weapons and now you're going up against a less than suspect Green Bay secondary. And just to uh, tag on to what you were mentioning with that Green Bay defense, they're 29th in success rate against the pass against deep passes and 29th in completion rate. And you have this bad of a statistic data point facing inferior opposing quarterbacks. Bryce Young, Kenny Pickett, Tommy DeVito. These are all quarterbacks that have had success against a Green Bay secondary. Now you're going up against a Brock Purdy who Producer Caesar, we know he loves him as MVP still in his heart. Purdy is the MVP for the year. Throws on 15 plus air yards at the third highest rate in the league. And they have success doing so. Top five in EPA per attempt, success rate, YPA, completion rate. This is going to be attack the secondary early and often. I could see San Francisco getting off to a huge lead early on. I like the over. Yeah, I, I keep liking it. I, I keep going back to remember four weeks ago or so when they played Arizona and I, and I keep forgetting, you know, the score was, I think, somewhere around like 42 to like 29 or maybe right. even more, a little bit more lopsided than that. Right. But San Francisco was never really in danger of losing that game right. at all. Like they were up by two, three scores the whole time. That's what I kind of feel like to your point oh, about yeah. this game going over where I, I totally believe in the ascension of Jordan Love. Like I am somebody who bet okay. them to win the division. I thought they were going to be very good. And that turnaround came at the end of the season. So I believe that the turnaround real here but i just believe that we forget that there's this gap between these kind of teams and san francisco is going to be absolutely licking their chops to take on this defense all right let's take our break here when we come back we have our confidence selections um spoiler i think i'll be on the san francisco 49ers as part of our uh, confidence selections but we'll tell you what amount that is we'll update the standings and coming up at 15 we got some divisional round trends to kind of back us up here on the wild card the winners and eh, maybe it's not as sexy as the divisional round Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back, and joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. 
Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Live Bet Saturday on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Start your morning with a daily dose of winning strategies, insider tips, and the latest buzz with the free VSIN daily newsletter. Definitely a tool worth using. Today's newsletter, the final words on the NFL doubleheader, and how about this? favoritism is the theme i think michael lombardi on the same page as me when it comes to the big favorites but you find out for yourself sign up for free the vcin.com newsletter get expert analysis and latest odds delivered straight to your inbox with your coffee every morning vcin.com slash newsletter to subscribe you know i wake up at about like 4 a.m every day so you know i wake up and boom right in my inbox there's bill and his caricature i want a caricature not like an insulting one though there's like uh have you seen are you on tiktok you like tiktok I like TikTok. And uh, <laughs> there's an account that I follow of this guy who draws caricatures, but like mean caricatures of people out there in Hawaii. Uh, it's hilarious. But like, I want a good one. I want a good one. All right. Speaking of a good one, I had a chortle, a laugh, a guffaw at this. I mentioned this. This is what I was referring to for our audience who was maybe watching us up on uh, YouTube TV, vcin.com. Um, Adam Rank, who works for the NFL Network, had tweeted out the game preview picks of the NFL Network hosts and analysts of the 10 that were asked to make a selection. Nine, (laughs) nine, not plus the nine and ten. No, no, no. Nine selected the Green Bay Packers to win outright over the San Francisco 49ers. And as Adam Rank um, very much like very astutely points out. uh, All right. The Packers bandwagon is out of hand now. This is ridiculous, Pam. It is. I mean, if you look at the schedule of opponents that (laughs) Green Bay has faced, you played the Bears who it was at the end of week 18. You had the Vikings, the Panthers, the Bucks. This is just a different echelon of opponent going against the San Francisco 49ers. Now, I will also throw a little caveat in there. So when we're doing our confidence picks... I was like, do I want to like Green Bay? Do I? I, well, here's I, found, the thing, though. I found reasons to like Green Bay, but just not enough to want to put them high into my confidence. But here's the thing. You like them what? To in, do well. To do well. And what? To produce points. But like in confidence, <laughs> what were you going to pick? If you were going to pick Green Bay, you were going to take them. Probably on the lower end. Plus the points, though, right? Like well, plus, plus the points, correct. Yes. So selecting them against the spread outright, is yeah. different correct. than <laughs> nine out of ten people selecting them to win outright. And by the way, I don't know who Sessler is. 30 to 18? <laughs> Caesar, he expects your team to get held to 18 points by this crew? 
come on, man. I mean, I, this is incredible. It's, watch them win now, 30 to 18, and we're over here like, okay. Well, that's the worst part is, <laughs> look, so I just watched, uh, you ever see that movie, Everything Everywhere All at Once, right? And so they have this great explanation of the multiverses where like every choice you make, the one that you don't make, it splits off into another multiverse, and it's like all these different, different things. Like, what if we're in the multiverse in which the 49ers just like lay an egg and lose, and these people are going to be insufferable. I won't be able to, I can't handle it. For the first time, It will be Kyle crazy. Shanahan, please lead these men to victory and a, and a strong one at that. All right. So with that, let's talk about confidence ratings. That leads us actually into what we're talking about here. So from a standings standpoint, producer Caesar uh, does have the lead. He is plus 12. Uh, was there a big one? What'd you get in the bid? Did you get a big one as Caesar in terms of confidence points? Uh, whoa, what? what? I don't know what the whoa, whoa, whoa is. I'm asking. I don't remember how the week went, uh, but Caesar plus 12. I am in second place in plus eight. Pam at minus two. Still plenty of time. And now we're starting to get into for all of us, right? You got to get the big boys. You got to get the big points. So for those who are just joining us again, 13 playoff games, we have our confidence ratings one to 13 that we're using throughout. Mm -hmm. And for me, I decided, you know what? I could wait to use my 13, but I also, much like going for two right at the end of a game, you want to know what you got to do to get back into it. So you know what? San Francisco, minus nine and a half. All 13 of those bad boys. I like them. Let's go. That is my top-rated confidence play of the weekend of the entire shindig. San Francisco, minus nine and a half. I put 13 points on it. Also, Baltimore, minus nine and a half. Uh, seven points on the lower end, but we're getting up there in terms of the points that I have left, so I got to put them in there. Pam, what do you got? Um, I will throw out that I'm not really good at doing these confidence things <laughs> each week in the college football, here in NFL. So far, not working out well for me. Last week, I made the mistake of you when it. you and I were talking about the Packers, I said, huh, why is that my least confident? It was my number one. I had it in my one, the lowest. And I, as we were talking, I was like, okay, that should not be my lowest. I have a lot more confidence in the Packers defeating the Cowboys. Oh, well, we're on to a new week. So for this week, I'm going with the overs in both today's matchups, the Texans over 43 and a half and Packers over 50 and a half with just the belief that I really think that the Baltimore Ravens can absolutely shred the Houston secondary 30th in completion, 31st in YPA allowed Zay Flowers, Lamar Jackson, Lamar Jackson, get it done. Over in Packers, I think they can do enough. I really like the offense. Ford, there's a lot to like about Jordan Love. There's a lot to like about the multitude of weapons that he has at his disposal. And there is some weakness, vulnerability on the San Francisco defense side that they can exploit. I like that total to go over as well. Yeah, for Caesar, um, the under on 43, under 43 and a half, Houston, Baltimore. So you two are going head to head, both with identical points at nine. So that'll be a big swing there. And then um, over 50 and a half for two points. So you two there uh, tied up uh, for last week. And what happened last week, uh, Caesar had seven points on Green Bay plus seven. So I don't know why he was insulted. I asked if he hit a big one and, and that's a good one. Him and uh, that and the Buffalo Bills minus 10 at uh, eight points. So there you go. All right. That's insulting. <laughs> I'm just asking questions, man. I'm just... Uh, I'm just asking the question. The whole week. <laughs> uh, as far as the totals are concerned, so I, I, like I said, I feel more confidence on these sides, whatever it is. From a totals perspective, I would agree with both of you that in Green Bay, San Francisco, I think if I'm right and that San Francisco is going to be able to do what they want offensively, more often than not, this game goes over. There is something to be said. Uh, we have seen before, we talked about this yesterday, that when the 49ers were at their lowest point, when they are at their worst, there are some offenses that have had uh, their way through the air against San Francisco's secondary. So that is something where... If you are like me and like you too, I would assume that the turnaround here for Jordan Love is somewhat legitimate, that mm. there is a reality in which the Green Bay Packers score some points here uh, and at least push this thing over the total, do enough on their own, right? Pick up their end of the bargain to push this thing over the finish line and get this over 50 and a half. Haven't really seen move uh, too much at this point right now. We're looking at 50 and a half across the board as we speak. 151 is uh, popping up. So maybe that's where we start to get to here as we get closer to kickoff. As far as the other one is concerned, you know, somebody who does think Baltimore is the side, I do think that it's probably under. Now, again, we're talking about as high as 46 and a half at the open, down to 43 and a half. Circus back up to 44. So maybe we start to see this push uh, back up. But focusing on CJ Stroud for a second, and I don't know if you saw this during the week, but there was a lot of people who were up in arms about the PFF grading for Jordan Love, or yeah, Jordan Love in comparison with CJ Stroud. Jordan Love had a nearly identical like normal stat line with one of CJ Stroud down to like to the point where it's only like two yards off from passing yards. However, Jordan Love had a PFF passing grade of over 90, just over 90, it was like 90.2. CJ Stroud was in the mid 70s, like 77, 76. And I think what is lost in the performance for CJ Stroud, which was very good, by the way, you're not taking away anything. 
But it's the fact that he did commit a pretty bad turnover-worthy play in that game against Cleveland. If you do that here against Baltimore, you're going to pay for it. And when you look at what the success was there for the Houston Texans in terms of broken coverage downfield, a, what was it, a 70-plus catch and run, mm-hmm. right, for the Houston Texans as well, knife through the defense, those are things that I don't think happen. And if you don't get those plus two pick sixes, what does that look like here if you're Houston? And against a more sound defense in Baltimore, I think that gets held down to a certain extent. And so thus, I at least agree with what the market did in pushing this down from 46 to 43 and a half. But currently at the number 43 and a half, I don't think it's playable under. I just agree with what the market has done with it at this point. Um, I think weather does kind of come into play with this, with the belief as to why the total has gone down. At least that was one of the reasons why producer Caesar switched his uh, pick going from the over to now flipping to the under. The Baltimore offense, though, they have faced above average defenses to close out the season, and they have completely like stomped them, scoring 33-plus in three of the last four games. That can definitely happen again here against a Houston secondary. Who and who? What quarterbacks have you faced to close out the year? This is a huge mark. We have seen it. This could be a total game where it's like 40 to 10. And CJ Stroud maybe does underperform because the road splits come into play. Or maybe they do eliminate the run game. Singletary isn't as effective. Nico Collins isn't there to produce to help him out. So, yeah, maybe they there is a scenario where just Baltimore runs away with it in the end. But I'm also thinking... I don't want to undervalue CJ Stroud's abilities. I mean, they've smoked better teams in recent recent weeks. Like, absolutely um, walloped, I'll say. I was going to say molly wopped. That one works, too. Um, Scott C. checks in on Twitter. This is a good tweet. Is the NFL Network's consensus Green Bay to win versus the line going from 10 to 10 and a half in many markets considered reverse line movement? I would say yes. I would say yes. (laughs) Uh, That that good old RLM. Well, we we talked about that. So to your point, actually, I'm glad you probably were talking about this total. Um, over at Station Casinos, a local casino out here in Las Vegas. We talked to Chuck Esposito, the director of Station Casinos, um, about their ticket count yesterday when it came to some of these games. And I I, I got to look at the exact number. I'll go back and listen. But I believe he said about over 80% of the tickets over there at stations were on the over for Houston to Baltimore. First line. And yet we saw this thing drop 46 to 43 and a half. So, uh, I, look, hey, well, Evan the market's Abrams, been wrong plenty of times. As somebody who's been tracking the NBA market, market has been wrong plenty of times. Evan Abrams actually did a tweet, and he's been a guest on our show a few times. Around 15 mile per hour winds are expected to kick off for the Ravens. The over-under has dipped from 45 and a half to 43 and a half. Historically, the under is 69% in Baltimore home games with 10 plus mile per hour winds. So that's why I say that wind is potentially a factor into why the number has shifted. Say again one more time. Over is... Historically, the under is 69% to the under in yeah. Baltimore games with 10 plus mile per hour winds. Okay. 10, 10, 10 plus is nothing though. No. That's why I'm like... I can... I can I 10 miles an hour. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I brushed my teeth. I did. All right. We'll take our break. When we come back, uh, speaking of trends, we've got one that would tell you that uh, congratulations on winning Super Wild Card Weekend, underdogs. It ends here. We'll tell you why and how when we come back on Live Bet Saturday. Don't go anywhere. This is Live Bet Saturday on VSAN, the Sports Betting Network. What's up, folks? JVT, Pam Maldonado with you here. We're going to be here till 1 p.m. Pacific time, folks. So we're going to lead you right up to about 30 minutes for kickoff for Divisional Weekend. So we got some trends. We like to do this. Is it something or nothing? Put it down. Don't look. All right. You're (laughs) reacting organically. All right. Here we go. You ready for the first one? Ready. I mentioned to our audience before we went out. Congrats on winning Wild Card Weekend. But it ends here. You get snuffed out like the ant that you are. I mean, you're all good teams. I don't want to be insulting. Teams to win as an underdog in the wild card round are 7-25 and 25 straight up and 15-7 and seven against the spread in the divisional round over the last 20 years. Since 2011, mm-hmm. those teams are 2-17 and 17 straight up and 9-10 and 10 against the spread. Something or nothing? Something. You're playing better teams, and those teams are coming off rest. I think both of those are true. I also think, to add to it, 
that as we kind of talked about, right, everybody gets all randy about like, oh, yeah, the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, they won. <laughs> right. And so they get all excited. They get hot and bothered. And so the market then gets a little undervalued on the favor. Right. You right. drive down the market rating of the favorite because everybody is in on the underdog. And thus there becomes some value in betting some of these favorites. Right. So that's what I think it is like both of your points and this like it, it is it is good to win the wild card games. Congratulations. But as an underdog, when you're pulling off an upset in wildcard weekend, generally you're going to be a five or six seed and you're not going to be a team that probably barely got in. You get one win in. It's a random sport. But then once you get to the big boys, when they're waiting for you, that's probably when you get knocked off. So we'll see if that's going to be the case. Uh, but again, teams to win as an underdog in wildcard weekend, seven and 25 straight up, 15 and seven against 15 and 17 against the spread in the divisional round over the last 20 years. All right, let's go to another one. Since 2020, underdogs are seven and five against the spread five and seven straight up and three and nine to the under is that just in postseason in general i would assume all right so uh, underdogs oh since 2020 seven and five ats five and seven straight up three and nine to the under but that doesn't compute to me that is, yeah, it was, since 2020 we've only had 12 playoff games since 2020 that doesn't add up i'm gonna draw a line through this i don't i don't get this one so i'll say nothing <laughs> Which part of it? Because I saw, I heard the first one was the spread. So seven and five, they cover the underdogs. Well, right, cover. but since 2020, underdogs sense. are seven and five ATS. That doesn't make any sense because it's. And is that in the divisional round? No, it just says that's overall since 2020. Okay. Yeah, um, I'm going to draw a line for that it. one. Yeah, let's scratch that <laughs> one. All right, road teams that missed the playoffs last year are 27. And I love trends like this because they're just so hyper. They're, they're so just specific. so specific. Road teams that missed the playoffs last year are 27 and 13 against the spread in the divisional round over the last 20 years. The teams that that would apply to today Packers. are the two teams that are going to get smoked, Houston and Green Bay. <laughs> uh, Something or nothing. Again, I'll reiterate, reiterate for audience. Okay. Road teams that missed the playoffs last year are 27 and 13 against the spread in the divisional round over the last 20 years. Nothing. Um it's all matchup dependent. I, I'm not sure about that one. Maybe there is something. No, be confident. It's okay. nothing. It's nothing. It's not <laughs> Sometimes, because guess 27, what? 13 is a pretty substantial. It, it's 30. It's 40 games. It's yeah, not that, that big of a sample size. I mean, that's and especially big, over that's the course bigger of, than like a seven to five. Right. But it's over the course of 20 years. Correct. That could be random. Entirely. Random correct. chance so that road teams that law that didn't make so the playoffs of the year before. So because of 20 years, yes. Let's go ahead and scratch that as nothing. Okay, there we go. All right, so here we go. In the divisional round. Okay, so Caesar has uh, corrected me. Thank you very much. Put it in the rundown, man. I'm just kidding. You do a great job. Since 2020, <laughs> in the divisional round, underdogs are 7-5 ATS, 5-7 and seven straight up, and 3-9 and nine to the under. Something or nothing. Uh, three and nine, so three overs, nine unders. Um, I would say the three to the nine to the under could be something mm -hmm. simply because of market value perception of the previous week's success. And then now you're playing tougher competition. You're no longer going to have the, that success. The seven and five against the spread, that's a little interesting because it kind of contradicts the three to nine to the under. Um, spread, nothing total something yeah it also this is why again you can use math or you can use trends and depending on it's a good lesson for that right i can always move my benchmark and give you a trend that makes it sound very good right so i could tell you that since 2020 underdogs in the division round are seven and five against the spread i can also say that since 2011 teams that win an underdogs in the wild card round and go on the road right seven to 25 straight up five uh, 15 and 17 ats in the divisional round over the last 20 years generally those two teams are going to be the same right right there's no, there's a lot of over there so it depends on where you want to put your benchmark to make it sound better i'll say nothing give me the larger sample size of data that tells you teams that uh are in their underdog roles in the divisional round more often than not are going to lose those games right All and right. As, which is why we're seeing the line move in against the teams that did well last week mm -hmm. all right let's get into some of the one seats teams with a buy in the playoffs are cashing at a 46% ATS rate the last 20 years when they are favored. 36, 54, and 1 against the spread. Let's start there. Something. Again, something? Something. I really think there is a belief to, or something to, 
you're coming off of rest, a week rest. Yes, you have extra preparation, but you have a team that's coming in already played. You have the reps, you have the rhythm, you have the groove, you have a game plan, and you've been sitting on the sidelines for well over a week. I would like to see... The rust we, factor. Yeah, no, because I, I mean, there might be something to that. I don't think, you, you know, we've seen plenty of instances of that happening, right? Yeah. I'm a Colts fan. I've seen my team get a bye week plenty of times and then lose in the divisional round. Um, I would like to see the correlation or something to that where teams that have a bye week and rest their players in the last week of the regular season right. right so so essentially resting your guys for like three not not playing meaningful football for three weeks right versus teams that have the bye week but play in week 18 right so the and example how that stands of that out last week would have been the lions against the rams the rams sat their players in week 18 the lions jared goff they had full force in week 18 the rams ended up covering the spread but the lions ended up coming out with the win Right, but I'm talking about like the teams that have buys though. They don't play at all. You know what I mean? And so if you have a buy and you don't play wild card week and you rest your guys week 18 or right, exactly two weeks and then another week until you play. So essentially three weeks off. It'll be pretty interesting. So, all right, one seeds again, teams with a buy in the playoffs, cashing at a 46% ATS rate the last 20 years when they're favored 36, 54, one ATS. Uh, I would, you know, I, I like that last little line when they are favored, which divisional team, can you go back in history and find that? Like which divisional team was, which, not yeah, was not favored. So that's going to be pretty interesting since the NFL expanded in 2002. Caesar's telling me this. Let's do this one. Since the NFL expanded in 2002, teams coming off of a first round bye in the playoffs are 54 and 24 straight up. And they have won by nearly a touchdown per game in that stretch. Those teams are a stellar 26 and eight straight up over the last 10 seasons with more double digit wins than outright losses. How about that? There you go. Boom. Yeah. yeah. So today could be boring. <laughs> like you mentioned earlier, today could just be a bloodbath. Yep. All right. Number one seeds in divisional round trends. Number one seeds, 16 and four straight up, 10 to 10 against the spread in the last 10 years. That obviously includes today, Ravens and 49ers minus nine and a half. Also with one seeds, 12 and eight to the under in the last 10 years, eight and two the last five years. So Texans, Ravens, <laughs> 43 and a half, Packers, 49ers, 50 and a half. Those two trends, again, one seeds, 16 and four straight up, 10 and 10 against the spread the last 10 years, and 12 and eight to the under in the last 10 years, eight and two the last, uh, that doesn't make any sense. Oh no, yeah, it does, eight and two the last five. What do you make of this? 16 and four straight up, mm -hmm. something. 10-10 against the spread in the last 10 with the, the number one seeds, also something. I yep. think both of those make sense and correlate to what we were just talking about. 16-4 straight up because you are the better team. You have the better weapons. You've had your rest. Now 10-10 against the spread because you've had your rest. <laughs> yep. 13 of the last 30 number one seeds have advanced to the Super Bowl. 13. Repeat that one. 13 of the last 30 one seeds have advanced to the Super Bowl. So obviously that would be either the 49ers or the Ravens. 13 out of nothing. You don't think that's anything? I think it's something. I mean, generally, if you're a one seed, you're good. Still and less than 50%. So. Yeah, I mean, that's still, I mean, in the NFL, that's actually pretty good, right? right. You know, I think there's something to that. If you're a one seed, you make it to the Super Bowl. How about this? Six, uh, this is the one that has really come along the last few years. Six of the last 10 Super Bowl winners were number one seeds. So that makes some sense, right? Yeah, that's, yeah. that's at a 60% clip of the last two years. So six out of the last 10 Super Bowl winners were number one seeds, 49ers, of course, and Ravens again. And then five of the last 10 Super Bowls have featured both one seeds. That's so how about that? That is, I think that is something. Um, we are seeing talent. It's we're sort of shifting more to a pass heavy game. Offenses in the NFL, these uh, quarterbacks <laughs> starting to perform really good. I, yeah, so that is saying the Ravens or the 49ers. 50-50, one of them is not going to make it in. I, what would be your lean? Uh, I would say that there's something to that. I think that you're a one seed for a reason. And right. generally, it, like Super Bowl, or excuse me, Super Bowl, uh, football is random, right? In, in a game, you get maybe 10 possessions, and a lot of randomness can happen in that. That's why I like basketball, right? In, right. in college hoops, you get 70-ish possessions. In NBA, you get 100. So you get to have what you expect to happen play out over the course of a large right. sample size. In the NFL, you only get about nine possessions to make something happen, and that's why we have so much parity here. Right. But the fact that you're a one seed, meaning you're going to have home games, you're going to be the better team, and your path to a Super Bowl is more favorable, I think that does make some sense. And I think, too, as we see it recently, teams are getting a little bit smarter with the way they prep and rest guys and all that kind of stuff. And I think that's why this trend here, five out of the last 10 Super Bowls have uh, featured one seeds or both one seeds. I think there's something to that. So yeah. bing, bang, boom. Still my favorite. Teams as uh, teams to win as an underdog in wild card, uh, wild card weekend, 7-25 straight up, 15-17 against the spread in the divisional round the last 20 years. When we come back, 
I will tell you why the Lions will be the lowest scoring team this weekend. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back, and joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleh Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Live Bet Saturday on VSAN, the Sports Betting Network. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL playoffs, is bringing you an offer that will help make the playoffs electrifying. New customers can bet 5 bucks on any game and get 200 instantly in bonus bets. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use code VSIN only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code VSIN. The crown is yours. Back here on Live Bet Saturday, Jonathan Von Tobel, Pamela Maldonado here with you. All right, so I was gonna, I will pay this off first. How could it be? How could it be that the Detroit Lions playing with house money at home against the lowly Tampa Bay Buccaneers as six point favorites in a game that has a total of, what are we looking at here for 48 tomorrow? 48 and a half. 48 and a half? How in the world could they be the lowest scoring team of the weekend? Let me paint the picture for you. So I'll just say this. We talked about this yesterday, and I thought that we we framed it like this, Pam. If you were going to take a long shot on any team to be the lowest scoring team, right? If you're going to dig in there, which would be the team that would be worth maybe taking a long shot flyer on to be the lowest scoring team? And I do think it is Detroit at 16 to 1. And again, we'll phrase this as this is the long shot shot, right? That is, I think, worth taking because... We'll start with the one thing we know that the Lions like to do. Pretty good at running the ball, right? Offensive line's great. Absolutely fantastic. They can carve through many a defensive front. 
Tampa Bay's got a pretty good solid front seven, including two defensive tackles that are among the best in the NFL, or at least playing amongst the best in the NFL, that are pretty damn good. And we saw them, of course, snuff out famously the tush push on Monday against the Philadelphia Eagles. But you have a good interior defensive line that could potentially control the line of scrimmage, really stymie this Lions running game potentially, right? Not allow them to do what they want to do on the ground. That is a reality that could happen, right? Because that's kind of a strength of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense. If that does happen, all right, well, then we got to rely on Jared Goff here. Jared Goff, right? Good, solid quarterback. But what's some of Jared Goff's weaknesses? Well, at his worst, turns the ball over, right? Puts the ball in danger, not entirely accurate. I, I think there is a reality that if you do like Tampa Bay, and we're talking about long shots worth looking at, the Lions at 16-1 to being the lowest scoring team in the divisional round, I think makes more sense than looking at like the Ravens or the 49ers or the Bills or the Chiefs. If you're looking for that deeper play on this board, I think there is a more realistic path that Tampa Bay comes in defensively, stymies that run game, makes Jared Goff turn the ball over in a flat spot for a team that was celebrating and weeping and crying mm-hmm. like they won the Super Bowl last week. Even though they're at home, I think there's more of a chance of that happening than 16-1 to 1 would tell you. One team you did not mention are the Bucks. as far as going for the lower scoring. I like the Lions to get the cover in this matchup. I know I was on them last week as well. That didn't come to fruition, but for kind of a lot of the reasons that you mentioned could be also applied to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Bucks offense has had a lot of success as of late because of using that run game with Rashad White. Consistency in that run game has opened up the passing plays um, for Baker Mayfield. But the problem is now you're going up against a Detroit rushing defense that is second best in the league. Mm -hmm. That is going to put a lot of pressure on Mayfield to produce as a quarterback. What we have seen from him, the third most turnover worthy plays. He's inconsistent as a passer. If you eliminate that run game, you become heavily one dimensional, easier to defend. And you have the Lions on the other side who, as you mentioned, like to run the ball. So not only are you going to have less possessions, but you're also going to have an infrequent quarterback who's going to have the ability to possibly produce points. I would go with at four and a half to one, the Bucks to be the lowest scoring team. I, I don't disagree at all. I think that's a reality too. And I, th- I think that what's interesting about this game too, by the way, overall, which we'll have more on it, but I'll say that I do like Tampa Bay in this game against them um, in terms of the points is, are you going to get the same effort in terms of tackling from, from this line secondary that you did against LA? Cause that was bad in that first half. Like that was to the point where I texted you guys in the second quarter. Cause I had that game under and I was like, I'm dead. I can't believe I was wrong. They're missing tackles all over the place. There's big plays downfield for both teams, but the line secondary was especially atrocious at tackling. Right. It's pretty good wide receiver core. And so outside of just looking at, Hey, lowest scoring, higher scoring. I am very curious to see how this line secondary responds after a very poor effort in terms of tackling and containing big plays last week against LA. I think there's two things that can be true that the tackling was atrocious and we saw it last week yes that's 100% correct what we could also be true is that Baker Mayfield is not Matthew Stafford and the Bucks do not have the same receiving weapons than that of the Rams oh yeah sure I mean I think tackling makes the equalizes everything right and I mean like they got some pretty good receiving weapons over there at Tampa Bay one Mike Evans they got a couple. I think they, I think you're <laughs> underselling this uh, this core a little bit, but I do think that overall, if you're going to be a poor tackling team, you raise the floor of any offense. And again, it might be a flash in the pan from last week, so we'll see if that's going to be the case. And I also, it secondary. really is just that simple. I don't mm-hmm. put Mayfield on the same pedestal as I do with uh, Stafford, a healthy Stafford. Oh yeah, that's that's uh, that's perfectly fine. All right, so divisional round. We talked about lowest scoring, and again, the odds for anybody listening: Texans plus one seventy five are the favorites. Green Bay Packers are three to one. Buccaneers are plus four fifty, as Pam mentioned. Chiefs five to one. Bills ten to one. Lions sixteen to one. Ravens sixteen to one, and 49ers twenty two to one. So those are again divisional round lowest scoring team odds. Highest scoring team odds: San Francisco 49ers at plus one ninety are the favorite. Ravens at plus three thirty. Lions at plus three fifty. Bills at plus six fifty. Chiefs eleven to one. Buccaneers twelve to one. Packers fifteen to one. Texans are twenty to one in the long shot. There, highest scoring team in the divisional round would be who, by your measure? Uh, this one is a little bit more tricky. I would be interested in Ravens at plus three thirty over the 49ers, who are the favorites. Houston's defense doesn't translate. It's like many teams do. Houston defense does not translate at home compared to playing on the road. You have a lot of opportunities here for maybe even some interception touchdowns, something because we haven't seen CJ Stroud throw an interception in six straight games. Yet Baltimore defense is the first team that leads in takeaways, the points allowed and sacks. So I think there's going to be a lot of opportunity for the Baltimore offense to put up some points. And they have 33 plus points in three of the last four. 
going up against similar echelon of defenses. So I think the I think the other one, like I always say, right, keep it simple, stupid. The 49ers a plus 190, I think, is very much worth looking at. Again, as somebody who's very high on San Francisco, who has uh, bet their total touchdowns over, uh, bet them in this game at minus nine and a half, is their most confident right in our confidence selections, very high at San Francisco here. So right. I think that is the obvious choice at plus 190, even as a favorite. I think that there is value in playing that. For me, the sneaky shot to take here, and we haven't talked about this game at all, and we will because it's a good one tomorrow. But the Chiefs said 11 to 1. To me, it just scree- it just sticks out like a, like a sore thumb. Here's the thing. Kansas City, in the inclement weather that everybody was saying, oh, man. And by the way, the game went under, right? Because Miami didn't uh, hold up its end of the bargain. Right. Kansas City had over 400 total yards in that game and had multiple touchdown drives turned away by drop passes and or penalties that really killed them in that frigid weather. This is a team that still can play and can still score. And if you are somebody that believes in Kansas City this weekend, like if you are high on Kansas City, if you think they can beat Buffalo, all of that, at 11-1 to to be the highest scoring team, I think that is worth it. And I I know we talked, I think, was it 20-17 to when they played in the regular season? Uh, We also know what happened in that game. They called a touchdown off the board. I think when you look overall, Kansas City, again, I just will talk a little bit more about this angle when we get to our quarterback rankings later on the show. It's Patrick Mahomes. He's won two Super Bowls. He's done it. He's done it a lot. And this team is still statistically a lot better than we're giving them credit for. And again, if we're talking 11 to 1 on a team that if you believe they're going to win that game against Buffalo, I think there's a better probability than 11 to 1 would tell you that they're the highest scoring team this round. I think what I like about uh, Kansas City is that finally Patrick Mahomes as a wide receiver that he can finally trust. That's kind of been the problem for a majority of the season. They lead in dropped passes, and it's for a good reason. A lot of the players are very young, but finally you have a player with Rasheed Rice. He's just been an absolute dynamite in the second half of the season. Early on, he was actually on pace for 61 receptions on the year, and then he absolutely blew up 51 receptions in the last seven. Because of that go-to guy, now you have your deep threat wide receiver. We have St. Patrick Mahomes, who nobody's capable of. Uh, Bills are definitely um, dealing with a lot of injuries, as yep. a lot of these teams are. That can be exposed. At 11-1, that would be simply because of the value of the you're getting 11-1. Absolutely. That would make sense. Um, but although I don't see it come to fruition. All right. And uh, for this, we also have a, the divisional round scoring specials, high scoring game. Uh, Packers, 49ers, the favorite, highest total, uh, plus 190. Buccaneers, Lions, plus 220. Chiefs at Bills, 3-1. to one. Texas Ravens, 350. And then you get the lowest scoring game as well. And the inverse of that is we have already seen uh, in terms of divisional round scoring specials. Again, I think it's pretty easy. Pretty easy, yeah. I mean, Packers 49ers, that's just like the obvious. The, the, one, that's, the one that's questionable is what's the lowest scoring game. That's, like, that's I think, the real one where I think, th- I think there is, a, what's it called? I think there's a reality in which Buccaneers-Lions Makes is sense. probably there. Um, and that's probably it. Because well, I think the, the problem with the Texans-Ravens is that you get a blowout and the Ravens actually push this game up because of their own scoring. I'm going to contradict myself a little bit because the Chiefs and Bills is intriguing to me. Chiefs defense has been what's been getting them to this point. Same with the Bills. It's been both defenses that have been solid where you have suspect offenses. And because of that, the Chiefs are what, 16 and one to the under in the second half of the season. That is for a good reason. They are. This is the best defense of in the Andy Reid era that we have seen. That that to me would probably make the most sense. All right, next hour, we're already on the way to our second hour here on Live Bet Saturday. Let's uh, welcome in our first guest. Paul Brettel is going to be with us, Packers insider for ESPN Wisconsin. Let's talk a little bit about this turnaround for Jordan Love and why so many people believe that they're going to go on the road to San Francisco and upset the 49ers. That's when we return here on Live Bet Saturday. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. 
I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleh Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.